I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome Hello. to the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In every episode, we look back at our week in review, the movies and TV shows we've been watching since the last episode. Then we move on to the main event, which is either our main topic of discussion or review. And we wrap up with film faves, our respective list of our 12 favorite films around a particular topic, usually and often marching backwards through time. In this episode, we're going to play a little bit with the format. After our week in review segment, we will have a main event of our 2019 preview, but we will all not have a film faves segment this time. That will be put off till next episode. It's going to be really fun, though. Yes, absolutely. I'm looking forward to looking at the year ahead of us. So before we get into that, though, let's take a look at the week in review. Shanna, if I remember correctly, you got to catch up with one of 2018's holiday releases, yeah? Oh, yes, that. Yes, I got to go on a girls' night, and that was really exciting. And we watched Mary Poppins Returns. That's starring Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins. You get to see Dick Van Dyke. You get to see Lin-Manuel Miranda. You even get to see Angela Lansbury, Meryl Streep, too. And oh. those are the people that matter to me. Okay. So that, uh, you know, Colin Firth is there, too. And Julie Walters is actually really fun. So anyway... Let's talk about Mary Poppins Returns. I don't recommend this film if you are a huge fan of Mary Poppins and like if you're loyal to the original. Okay. I, I don't think it's worth your time. It might be worth looking up the, the musical pieces on YouTube just out of curiosity, especially the scene where they're mixing cartoon with live action uh-huh. that's yeah. like that they is, did in the original that is always fun to see okay that's always pleasing for me to see so that was probably my favorite part and honestly i'm not being objective about it i'm being very like personal about it for those of you who have not seen the trailer it's been a couple decades after mary poppins helped the bank's children and now she's come back to help them and she's not only helping the bank's children that she looked after she's looking after their children. So, okay. Uh, okay. Michael's children. Uh-huh. Oh, it's Michael's. Okay. It's Michael's children. It's very formulaic. Okay. And what was not memorable was the music. What was not memorable was the dance scenes. You know, in Mary Poppins, the first one, wow. it's all about, it's about the whole story, but you remember the dance, you remember the songs. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a big part of time, it. time, you know, is very fun. And sometimes, you know, years after you've seen the film, You'll go and listen to uh, Sister Suffragette, and you're like, oh my god, that's so funny. Right. There's a couple of great lines in there. But you also have supercalifragilistic. Like, of course you do. You have. Uh, uh, and I think if you're a nanny. Chim Chimney Cherry. Yes. You know. And I think if you're a nanny, then you're going to know that stuff. Uh-huh. And you're going to have a special place in your heart for Mary Poppins mm. and the children, too. Sure. Well, everybody, I mean, most people do, regardless of whether or not they're a nanny. It's a cherished uh, film and one of the, the best musicals from the 60s. The best part of this film was Emily Blunt. Okay. so she, the, okay. Because I didn't see Emily Blunt and 
I love that woman. Uh-huh. I didn't see her. I saw Mary Poppins. So she did her job. So okay. I'm very proud of her. I'm sure a lot of people are. Uh-huh. But, you know, something that really, you know, everything else that I've mentioned was an irritation. But the most frustrating thing about this film was how they handled the bad guy. There was a bad guy. Well, yeah. And, you know, in the, mm. er, the first film, the bad guy, is the dad. You're putting air quotes, yes, by the I way. Yes, I am. Well, so. people should realize people that. People can't the, see this The on rhythm the of my voice has changed. <laughs> so, you know, is the dad. And then it gets fixed. It's resolved. Uh-huh. The bad guys in this Returns film uh-huh. is odd and very... It's stereotypical. Is it a it's spoiler like, to describe <clears throat> the conflict from that comes from them? I don't think I have to say who they are. I think just the way that they've been depicted, the Uh bad guys in this film, are depicted in a very cartoonish, cartoon network way. Oh. And I didn't like that one single bit. Plus, there is no actual resolve with the bad guy. No resolution. You know, Mm. when you have the original Mr. Banks, he comes and he evolves and... He sees the value in his children uh-huh. um, and spending time with them as opposed to, you know, working his life away. He finds balance. Right, right. And right. in this next one, it's just a bad guy for the sake of being a bad guy. Uh-huh. And there was something so magical about that first one with the bad guy, you know. So not only was it all very enchanting in the first film, but even the bad guy became enchanting because it was like, that's so wonderful that human... Well. A human evolved. I mean, it wasn't necessarily an evolution, I would say, in the original. It was more like... A realization? Yeah, a realization. I mean, the film ends with, let's go fly a kite. And it's this this youthful spirit of, you know, uh, being a father, being there and having fun with your children, you know, and and being present with your children. Mm -hmm. You know, that was was what he was missing and what his lesson was. And it sounds like... This film focuses more on an external villain. Yeah, there isn't there isn't really a lesson. Mm -hmm. You know, the 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 family itself is going through a lesson of some sort, and it's fine, but it doesn't have this huge conclusion. Well, it kind of does, but you know, beg to differ. I hear what you're saying. Um, That's how I feel about that film. I don't recommend it if you are a big fan. If you're looking for a fun little visual happy moment, of course they rock their cinematography. You know, go ahead and see it. If you're a fan of live action with animation, just look that scene up. You're not going to really miss anything otherwise. Well, the very disappointing to hear about Mary Poppins Returns, of course it is by Rob Marshall, who... You know, he's done a number of musicals that I've had very mediocre to... I've had lukewarm feelings about Into the Woods, Chicago, you know, these kinds of things. Ah, uh, um, yes. But so. really briefly, before we move on, you have Angela Lansbury and Dick Van Dyke showing up in this film. Is there is that at all, like... That's worth it. Exciting or fun? Like, is that's it as worth, great to see? That's worth the wait. That, were they, like, wasted in the movie, or...? no. Dick Van Dyke was very entertaining, okay. as he is. Yeah. So that was fantastic. And Angela Lansbury was just lovely, as she is. <laughs> so it was like they took these two treasures yeah. and, you know, did something really special with them. It's a and shame that it wasn't enough. Angela does appear 
at the end. And I don't feel like that's a spoiler because they're not just going to put a big star like that in the middle or the beginning. You know, she's at the... Is that a spoiler? Do you want to just well, end no, it Well, no, no. I'm just kind of like... I'm not sure I would agree. I mean, it can it can kind of be wasteful to wait till the very end and they're only there for like a few seconds or something like that. I would hope that wouldn't be the case. Her. Well, that's a shame. I enjoyed seeing Angela Lansbury, though. That was what I was most excited about. Very good. All right, so that's Mary Poppins Returns. Sounds like not really worth much more time on that one. Uh, let's move on to my week in review. I have seen a couple things. Um, I also caught up with a 2018 film that was disappointing. Oh, how upsetting. <laughs> yeah, that film was Shane Black's The Predator. Now, just to give... Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, just to set the stage a little bit, I'm, I'm a, a huge fan of the original Predator, huge fan of the concept of the Predator. I think the character is one of the most creative and interesting creations in sci-fi history, sci-fi action history, just as, like, the concept and everything that has gone into, like, all the different aspects of you know this character who can go invisible who has this certain type of vision who basically has a, a hunting culture i think that's wildly fascinating the character design is um just uh, amazing and aside from the first movie and i would say 2010's predators i would say that the character really hasn't been had much justice on the cinema and so the original predator and predators i think are the only two good movies so i was really excited shane black who starred in the original predator he was going to be hired to help doctor the script but he thought the script was oh, fine as is so they hired him as a supporting character so that way he's on the set in case they did need additional script work as they went along in the filming process so i was really excited about him coming back into this and this film has actually a really good cast uh too that includes uh, like thomas jane keegan michael key olivia munn and a number of other people that i i really enjoy here's the thing <laughs> the film first of all is not what you expect from a predator film until the last 20 minutes literally the last 20 minutes of the movie and there's some nonsense involving the predator's mask and the Predator's mask getting into the hands of a child. And anything having to do with the Predator's mask really is silly and ultimately does kind of break canon in terms of what we already know, what that mask can do. And it really, like, overextends our credibility of, like, the mask's capabilities in some ways. I won't go into too much detail about that, but that basically the mask is a is a, a main plot point and everything about it just does not work as a fan of uh predator i'm trying to think there is a villain character i'm trying to remember who plays the villain in this he's this guy who's very very interested anyway anyway there is some cool action beats here and there and especially towards the end it does have a really great cast and i would say that it does feel a little precious about its cast until the end. I won't 
I won't explain that, otherwise I'll spoil it, but it is precious about its cast, and it is not what you're used to seeing in a Predator film. So it is a little bit of a letdown. I think that you should only see this if you're a real hardcore fan of Predator. Uh, if you're just curious on that level, then check it out. There is some things to enjoy about it. It's not an awful movie like some people have claimed. But it is a disappointment, and it's probably a distant third. I mean, it's not as bad as Predator 2, and it's definitely not as bad as Alien vs. Predator movies. I will give it that. You know, It is not an awful movie. It is a disappointment, though, and a very mediocre film. Unfortunately, it doesn't live up to its premise. So I give it a 5 out of 10, and that's The Predator. The other film, I've seen two other films. So I rewatched in prep for the film Glass which we'll be reviewing next episode. Super exciting! I revisited Unbreakable, starring, of course, Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson, and even Robin Wright Penn, which a lot of people forget uh, she was in the film. I just want to say, you know, this has always, to me, seemed like Shyamalan's second best film. It, I always It's thought, because he had Bruce Willis. I, I always <laughs> thought it was a step down from The Sixth Sense, but, you know, watching it now, 18 years, well, almost 19 years later. That's a really long time. It is. I can't believe it's been that long and I, I, I feel old saying that out loud. But, but seeing it now, I actually have to say this is an underappreciated masterpiece. There is some excellent filmmaking in it that Shyamalan demonstrates that in this film that you do not see in a, most of his future films. Uh, like... His use of reflections throughout the film, uh, starting from the very first scene, it opens up on a birthing scene, and you realize it's revealed that what you're actually seeing is a reflection of a mirror behind the mom giving birth. That's really cool. There's a scene that you're actually, it's shot, it's shot entirely through you know, looking at the reflection of an old tube TV. You know, box TV, you see the scene play out through that reflection. There's a few scenes like that that's really kind of cool. And then, like, Bruce Willis's opening scene on a train, it's actually from the perspective of a child looking in between seats. And so the camera moves uh, across the seats and in between the seats and watches a scene take place uh, with Bruce Willis from that child's perspective up until a certain moment when, uh, for those who aren't familiar, I, I can say that Bruce Willis plays a man who survived a train wreck unscathed, and it's kind of mysterious as to why he was able to do and survive that, you know, without a scratch. So there's a lot of really cool, a lot of cool scenes uh, with really excellent filmmaking here. There's a, a there's a, like a scene where Bruce Willis is on a balcony at someone's house. And there's a curtain that is blowing in the breeze behind him, kind of obscuring what is partially obscuring what's behind him in the room behind him. That's really effective uh, filmmaking. And then on top of it, just the writing in, in itself, you know, it's, it really uses the hero villain archetypes very effectively. It's, it's so, so well written. Like, 
and clearly like this is not surface level comic book knowledge this is clearly someone who has a familiarity with with hero villain archetypes you know the the hero who's always super strong and the villain who's super smart you know they balance each other out there the yin and yang of each other you know superman and lex luther is a really good example of that you know it, it, it's really kind of cool how it utilizes that in this real world superhero concept and also that is all like window dressing for ultimately what is a story about finding your place in the world figuring out what your purpose is i won't i won't go into too much depth about that particular theme because it is one that really resonates at the end of the film and but it is a very well written film and, and i think it's underrated i think a lot of people kind of underappreciate how well it's filmed you know so i i am huge fan of unbreakable i if you recall from uh earlier episodes last year i had named split as my biggest surprise of 2017 i was a big fan of that film and so i'm really excited about glass because of these two films i think it would be awesome if uh, Shyamalan stuck the landing with a focus on Sam Jackson's character. So I think he's going to do it. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, the trailer seems to depict that he will. Yeah, fingers crossed there. I'm, I'm, I am at this point where I'm, like, done watching the trailer. I've seen it enough. I don't need to see any, any anymore. I just want to watch the movie, you know? Oh, by the way, lastly, the score by James Newton Howard is incredible. I love the score in uh, that in Unbreakable. Uh, too. So that's Unbreakable from two, the year 2000 by M. Night Shyamalan. If you're really interested in checking it out now, I think it's available to rent on Amazon, by the way. But I have the two-disc collector's DVD edition, which has <laughs> okay. the sleeve, and it's really super special, awesome, nice. Lastly, I saw I caught up with a film that I, I missed and never got around to seeing from the year 2014. It's an indie film called obvious child it's by a director i'm not terribly familiar with the film obvious child is directed by and forgive me for mispronouncing this uh, gillian robespierre she's not a director i'm terribly familiar with she apparently this was her first her first film and she went on to direct a film called landline and do some tv episodes for like casual and silicon valley so i'm not terribly familiar with her work but this was this was quite the charming gem i really enjoyed the obvious child for those who don't know it's basically about a 20 something comedian who finds out not only is she about to lose her job because the store that she works for is about to close but also she finds out that um, this one night stand that she had resulted in a pregnancy and so she's kind of uh, dealing with the realities of especially the uh, the latter you know it stars jenny slate who fans of parks and recreation will know as uh, what was Money. his name yes yes <laughs> what was what was i can't remember her name um but her jean ralphio's sister <laughs> she was obnoxious i really did not like her in the in parks and rec i hated that character but here 
First of all, she's a lot more normal. <laughs> she's a lot more tolerable human being. And she's at terms like really smart. She's funny. She's vulnerable. She's heartbreaking at times. She's really, she's really good in this film. And it's a shame that she has yet to be able to star as a lead in anything since Obvious Child, uh, particularly film. I would love to see more from her. This film, is, is, it, is it a great film? I would say this is a, a very good film. It, I think, shows that it's definitely written and directed by a woman. I think it depicts the female perspective of these situations and even dating and romantic life very, very well. Uh, not that I would know personally, but you can definitely tell a difference like from this being from a male perspective, which I think we've probably seen before what that can be like. Is, oh my God, parenthood, freaking out. It really... Yeah, yeah, actually yeah. knocked up. Yeah, 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 that's a good call. Yeah, It's really not at all that perspective. It doesn't handle the material like that at all. Because it, a woman gets shit done? Well, Is no, no. It's, 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 it takes a different direction than you've seen, too. In film, one that isn't depicted very often in the film, and it, it depicts it as a very. She has an abortion. I'm not saying I'm not going into details about it, but I am saying she that she has a miscarriage. It, I'm not going into details about it. She puts the kid up for adoption. Stop. <laughs> I'm just saying it's handled very well. The material, so I highly recommend checking out Obvious Child. I believe it's available on Amazon. Rhyme or Netflix, one of those. So check it out. That is all I have seen for my week. Shanna, you and I have seen a couple things as well. Let's start with a movie that we forgot about last in our last episode called Fahrenheit 11.9. It is ostensibly Michael Moore's sequel to Fahrenheit 9.11. It, the 11-9 in this case is referring to voting day, basically, from uh, 2016. Isn't that interesting, something, the switch of the numbers? Something like that, yeah. Essentially, it deals with two things, right? It deals with the, the Trump era, and it deals with the water crisis in Flint, Michigan, which is, of course, Michael Moore's uh, hometown. Shannon, you've seen at least half of Michael Moore's films, and you've especially seen Fahrenheit 9-11. What were your thoughts on Fahrenheit 11-9? It was not my favorite of his films, for one thing. I felt like it was a little scattered with you know, you're saying, you just explained it included the Flint water crisis and the Trump era, but it also showed a little bit of pre-Trump era, and it, sh it then showed, yes. you know, woman representation in the house, mm. and there were, there were a couple of other things, like the student walkout. Yes, well, from um, the student shooting in Florida, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I believe so. It was kind of like he was trying to weave all these things together. And I'm, I'm sure there is a way that you could do that, but I feel like he, he kind of missed it. Mm. And I appreciated him for showing those things because, of course, you know, we don't, we don't get to see those things in a normal 
You don't get to see it in like Hollywood movies, you know. Oh, like narrative films. So, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you don't okay. get to see those things depicted as quickly. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. it's going to take at least you know five years, a decade before they do something. Okay. And I appreciate seeing those things, but I would extra appreciate it if there was a succinct common thread mm. uh, uh, weaving between all these different elements that are making up our society right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I would say that's that's uh, the issue with the film too. It's it, it, it feels like you have all these different subjects and a lot of them you can see how they're related and what his point is. But really most of those are having to do with all the different issues that have arisen during the Trump era. And when he's making these points, they're very effective points. But I, I was left wondering, well, what the hell does this have to do with the Flint water crisis? And everything about the Flint water crisis is very effective and very interesting, very interesting and yeah. maddening and, and, and all that. But it did leave me thinking, well, this is not his most focused film. And it probably would have been better if they were two separate films. I, I thought it was important to mention that, you know, he does show mistakes that Obama made as well as Trump. That's true. Yeah. And I did appreciate that. And Hillary Clinton, too. And Hillary Clinton. Although yeah. it's very, you know, there's definitely more depiction of Trump's mistakes as certain people will, you know, interpret. Sure. It's, it's certainly appreciated that there's a bit of acknowledgement on, you know, both major parties yeah he's not he's not necessarily going after one person or one party he is making part one of the points he makes is that both parties are contributing to the problem yeah let's say i am worried that i'm thinking of a different movie because i know that we watched this and then a couple days later we watched vice right so it's like it's a little confusing right you know all these different things but what wasn't was it that film that did a good job of depicting you as the person need to take charge in a variety of ways in order to make a difference was that through the flint water crisis that we were hearing those people talk so vice definitely made that their punctuation mark okay you know but i think there is a degree actually one of your issues was there wasn't much of a call to action much of a that's right the, yeah you were concerned you had said to me when we watched it that there you were kind of left with well we're fucked <laughs> yeah there was nothing and i really feel strongly that it's you know if you're going to take something as visually strong as a film medium if you're going to show us something that is incredibly concerning and important to look at right now you can't just leave us with all the the negative you have to tell us what we can do so i.e you you listen to an npr fresh podcast about the flint yeah sorry podcast about the flint water crisis the person they're interviewing okay so here's all the facts about it here's how it happened blah 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 what do we do now? Okay, yeah. so you can order your test kits and here's what you can do to avoid that and avoid this and here's what you can do to write into the politicians and mm-hmm. that's what you actually need to have. You need to have options at the end of a film like that where you've you've loaded so many horrible things onto us right. and then you're like, so long, suckers. <laughs> I made you mad. Yeah. Like, you can't just make people mad. You yeah. need to... 
you know, say, okay, here's a web, here's one web link, my web link, my Michael Moore web link to solutions. And I would, yeah. I would honestly, I would go to that. I, I will say that while I'm not always a big fan of movies that leave you with a link to go check out and stuff like that, I think that there is somewhat middle ground and that this movie does not achieve. And so um, ultimately, I think we agree that there are a lot of great parts to Fahrenheit 11.9, but not, not a cohesive or great whole as a documentary. Yes, I think my favorite, you know, just to give perspective, is Sicko. Sicko oh, really? is my favorite mm. one. Yeah, that was that's probably I think his second best, second or third best film. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all I have to say about it. All right, very cool. So that is Fahrenheit 11.9, and I give that a 6 out of 10 myself. Lastly, uh, after finishing Parks and Rec, we left to Aziz Ansari series on Netflix, Masters of None, and we finished the first season of that. Shanna, I was showing you this. I, I, I myself was found it to be a brilliant and very intelligent comedy that deals with a number of different issues while also having its own story arc, especially in the second half of the season. What uh, did you share with us what you thought of Masters of None, especially since Tom Haverford was not your favorite character in Parks and Rec? Oh god, I hate him so much. I like, he pisses me off to no end. Oh my gosh. Even at the end, I, I still don't like him. I, I hate seeing his face. So. so, but Aziz in Masters of None? I had to reset my brain because okay. I was like, okay, different characters. You know, it could be fine, it could be not. And it was great. He was very good. I, I loved, you know, seeing him in all these different scenarios. You see him very angry and raw for a moment. And that's all we need. You know, and, and then you see him really happy, and then you see him really down, and then you see all the different human emotions. The The season does a very good job of showing his character going through all these different feelings that we would go through on a day-to-day -day basis on certain topics, too. And what I really love... So now I'm okay with him. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay now. Uh, I go back to Parks and Rec. Like, we watched an episode from season two, and yeah. I was like, oh my god, I forgot how much I hate him. So... <laughs> And I love him. Just to, to reiterate, for those who didn't hear our Parks and Rec discussion, I think he's um, hilarious and I, I, I love the character, but I won't... I, won't I think he's aggressively insecure, but, but that's he's just my very opinion. different from yeah. what is basically a thinly veiled Aziz, a version of Aziz Ansari in Masters of None, who is essentially an actor. In this case, he's a struggling actor. He mostly has done commercials, you know. Uh, I think what's the what's the one? Can we go watch it now? What's the it's one? It's the yogurt. The, the go gogurt. Yeah, yeah, that's his most notable yes. work. Is a gogurt commercial, and it's just him living in New York, and it tackles issues. Of... You know, I really love the episode, and I think it got nominated for something. Uh, the episode about the immigrant parents. Yes. And if you are the first generation American, how challenging it is for you, but how extra challenging it is for the parents because mm -hmm. people don't immigrate without a reason yeah people immigrate for various reasons and we won't even get into it right. but they're leaving something that they don't feel is the best place for 
one day children. Right. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so the parents will get there. They'll get to the place they've been hoping to get to. And their child will grow up. Their child doesn't have the same understanding as they do of the world because Mm -hmm. it's different. Right. And And, the world's different, too. And it's so incredibly funny and frustrating at the same time because you have these children that are very privileged. And it shows painfully to the parents because the parents had a, a, you know, a a challenging situation of some kind. Mm -hmm. And it's not always necessarily poverty. It, you know, it might be in this case, but that's not always the case. Sure. And I really appreciated showing the parents of two different, you know, first generation mm-hmm. people, different parts of the world. Their parents are from different parts of the world. And I really appreciated seeing the contrasts. They have a dinner together. And that is such a lovely episode. If mm-hmm. anything, I recommend people watch that episode. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then each episode is so different and so special, and I'm like, oh, but what's what's this one called? What's this one called? Right, and yeah, I can't wait yeah. to see what it's called right, yeah. because I'm so excited to see what topic they're going to tackle. Right, because often it is uh, it is named after a particular, like Indians in film or something like that. Oh, that know? was great, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. That was fantastic. And, Absolutely. oh, no, there was whitewashing. I was like, holy shit, there right. was? Yeah. So it's really so fascinating and i think another favorite episode of mine before we move on is the relationship episode oh where god which one you're kind of with them for a whole year and it's all happening in their apartment oh yes 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 like, like the clean floor episode let's yeah, say yeah they're like okay you know they're getting used to living with each other and one's messier than <laughs> totally messy compared to the other one yeah and it's just very interesting you see the honeymoon phase and then you see it dwindle Mm -hmm. and then you see serious stuff Mm -hmm. you know they're trying to tackle and then non-serious stuff because the serious stuff didn't get tackled right it didn't it didn't get resolved so it's a really interesting look uh and if you know someone who's had a breakup or if you know someone who'd like to have a relationship it's really good to tell them about it because it gives them this kind of window into here's what you're going to go through and you know it's your decision it's up to you how you're going to handle it but here's a glimpse because it is what happens inevitably yeah. with every relationship it's a real very real look at, at a relationship yeah and i appreciated yeah. that that truth that yeah. it had yeah absolutely you know netflix has produced a lot of content a buttload of series and i definitely have not seen all of them but of what I have seen, I think Masters of None is easily among the top five must-watch. If you're going to be curious about like what shows they've seen, I feel like Masters of None is up there. The first ones to check out. I'd say it's like a top five. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Very cool. All right, so that's the end of our week in review. Now it's time to move on to the main event, which is the year 2019 preview all right so here's the thing uh we've done this once before we did a 2018 uh movie preview apologies to the ears of anybody who listened to that one because the sound quality is not great but if you did um grin and bear through it you'll notice that we did a couple things first what we do is we talk about five movies that we're most excited about each, right? And we're not going to 
be interested in the same five movies necessarily. But what we do is we focus on the movies that are independent choices, and then we talk about the movies that we both were excited about most, right? So speaking of the 2018 episode, Shannon, do you remember what movies you were looking forward to most last year? It's very difficult for me to remember the past year. It's been a crazy freaking year. <laughs> you know, and it's difficult because it's like, well, I love this film. Uh-huh. So, I, I, I guess I could take a guess. Yeah, take a guess. Take a stab okay. at it. So maybe Avengers? Oh, Avengers Infinity, Infinity War. War. That was one of our joint picks that we were most excited about. Okay, so, okay, we got one. I'm, like, feeling really paranoid right now. <laughs> was Black Panther a part of it? Black Panther, <laughs> Panther? Black <laughs> Panther was our third film, our number three film, and our first that we jointly were most excited about. Okay, so that leaves one more that we were jointly excited about. And two others that you chose. I don't think Ant-Man was on there. Nope. You actually, it's I mean, funny, I remember you being not terribly excited not about Ant-Man. not actually a fan of that character. When he's with everyone else, I'm okay. Yeah. You give up? No, I want to try. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we were excited about any of the animations. No. So that, okay, that cuts out a category, so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> what about, was there a comedy we were both excited about? No. Oh, dear. Drama? I mean, I need kinda. something. I need something to narrow it down. Yeah, I mean, it was all mostly, like, franchise films, mostly. Oh. <clears throat> or related to some property. Well, I guess you should just go ahead and tell me because I am so blank right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm sure this is absolutely riveting radio. Uh, so your two independent picks were Wrinkle in Time. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't go well for you. And Isle of Dogs. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was pretty satisfied. And then my two respective choices were Ready Player One. Oh, how'd that work out for you? Yeah. Not not at all. If you listen to what I my explanation of why I was looking forward to it, it does not quite quite fit the description of what actually transpired. And Tomb Raider, which oh. just fell short of what I was hoping. Uh, I actually almost put it as my... I was okay with it. Yeah, I almost put it as my pick for a movie that they didn't get. Like, I, I really actually liked Tomb Raider quite a bit, mm -hmm. but I, it wasn't, like, amazing or great or anything. The one pick that we was our number one pick, the one movie we were both anticipating the most, actually ended up being moved to 2019. And oh, it was New Mutants. Nope, it was not. Oh, shoot. Nice try. It was Dark Phoenix. <laughs> it was Dark Phoenix. Okay. Because they so, both got moved, right? Yeah, they did, actually, yeah. as a matter of fact. That's by very interesting Yeah, and I hope, that's, I hope that's not indicative. I mean, it's a huge... It was a significant move. It wasn't, you know... It was like a year, you know? So It's I, an important one, and they need to... I, I'm sure they realize that they need to not fuck it up. Yeah, so, so there may or may not be more chatter about Dark Phoenix phoenix uh coming up but first shannon why don't we why don't we go through and talk about our independent 
Wait, uh, what were the other choices. ones? That was it. Yeah, I, I went through them. Oh. Yeah. 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 Oh. Exactly. So you mentioned Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War already. So uh, let's go through and, and name, you know, back and forth our respective picks. We have three independent picks that we're most excited about this year. And let's go, you want to go chronologically uh, by release? Oh, no, not really. <laughs> because I just jotted these down, so. Okay, I will try myself to do that. But why don't you go with your first uh, pick? Basically, what could be okay. seen as your number five pick? All right, here we go. Yeah. Oh, well, no, I, I think I'm most excited about this one. I think I'm really, really pumped. Okay. But really, really terrified, too. It's the horror Us. By, uh, is it Jordan Peele? It is, yeah. yes. So I actually saw, I saw something about this. I follow Lupita Nyong'o on Instagram, and she was posting about one of the festivals, how it was, you know, that film was getting attention. You know, obviously she's in it. She's, the, you know, the main actress, I believe. And I was like, what is that? Oh, it's by Jordan oh. Peele. Oh, and it's got Lupita Nyong'o. Yes. <laughs> so it's like I got all this excitement and I thought, oh, my God. Well, you can't really tell what's happening from the poster. And then we saw the trailer and, oh, my God, I was like so terrified. But you guys know I don't like horror. Right. But I was so terrified and the pairing is incredibly intrigued when i have that happening and because it's not i don't know maybe there's a bit of paranormal paranormal activity type stuff happening uh i don't know it it looks it looks creepy as all hell that's for damn it looks like it's addressing your darkest self it oh my god so it it, you know it looks like it's going to be amazing it just i don't know how (laughs) i'm going to sit through it though yeah that, I, I, I'm worried too. It looks very unsettling to me. Because I am going to want you to come with me. <laughs> you don't really have a choice. <laughs> so I should uh, note that film also stars Winston Duke from Black Panther and Elizabeth Moss. Mm-hmm. And it is going to be released on March 22nd. Yes, so it's it's coming up soon. I think that's the first thing releasing for my, my most anticipated. Very cool, very cool. My first movie that that I'm most excited about on uh, my list, and it, it is, you're right, Us is the, the earliest release on your list. But for me, it is going to be Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. I have to tell everyone that when my charge saw that trailer by accident during Christmas at the Disney store, he was like, oh. every time something happened, every yeah. time there was a different shot, yeah. he was like, oh, uh-oh. Oh, uh-oh. uh-oh. That's hilarious. <laughs> and it's like exactly how I think we feel. Ah. It's like, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> so going chronologically, it is the first movie coming out this year that is top of my list. I think for obvious reasons, I, in my previous episode, named Avengers Infinity War as my favorite film of 2018. There's two films coming out in 2019 that are follow-ups or chapter closers you know in film series and franchises and this is one of them and i am so pumped i am curious how captain marvel's going to integrate integrate into the film i am curious how they are going to defeat thanos 
what is Ant-Man's role in, in everything going to be? There's just so many curiosities. Is Iron Man going to make his way back to Earth somehow with Gamora? Not Gamora. What's her name? Yes. Bring back Gamora. Hashtag. Fucking A. (laughs) No, no. With Nebula is uh, what I meant to say. Uh, There's, you know, and and then also there is the reticence. Thanks for bringing up. I really hope that 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 she's going to come back. Let me finish. Let me finish. See, this is one irritation I've had in uh, certain Marvel movies is they will go so far, but then they will they will undo what they have done. Right. They will do something really risky or edgy and then they will say, not really. And look, I know that pretty much everybody who got turned to dust is coming back, but there's all these other deaths that happen in Infinity War that I'm worried and hoping, uh, I'm worried that they will undo those deaths. And I'm, I'm hoping that they do not, because that would cheapen everything. And some of those deaths had weight. Some of them were I'm very significant. I'm just asking significant. for one. One of the weightiest and most significant deaths. Yes, you I'm, are. I'm just asking for you one are. special one. Yeah, yeah. So I will not go I watch. Think, I think Mm-mm. the series would be far more interesting if certain characters that we saw actually die did not come back. So, but I am very much looking forward to that. Um, so that's Avengers Endgame. Shanna, what's your next film? Hashtag bring back one more. Oh, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> What's your next movie you're most looking you're looking forward to most? Oh, I no. am looking forward to this one's coming at the end of the year. It's Little Woman by Greta Gerwig. Fantastic. Of Ladybird. So yes. I am very fucking excited. I'm not a big Little Woman fan. Mm. Actually, it's it's not my thing. But if Greta Gerwig is doing it and it has Emma Watson, Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh, Meryl Streep, Eliza Scanlon, Laura Dern. Chris Cooper, Timothy I, Chalamet, Bob Odenkirk, mm. Meryl Streep, Abby Quinn. I I did mention Meryl Streep. She was mentioned. Oh. I am very, very excited about the cast. I'm very excited about who you know Greta Gerwig doing it. I don't even know how to describe this film. It's it's a period piece. Well, it's based on it's, the book Little Mo- Woman, right? Yes, it's from. Now that book is. An 1868 novel. Yeah. And this will be the eighth time Little Woman is being adapted. Oh, damn. Um, Have you seen all seven versions? No, because Little Woman is not my thing. You know? <laughs> so, it really is not. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping... You know, because it makes me mad. It was such a... It's, it was such a contrast... Contrasting time for women in that period compared to now. And, you know, it's very infuriating. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I am excited to see Greta's work. That is an excellent pick. After Lady Bird, I don't blame anybody to for being excited about seeing what she does next. That film does come out on Christmas Day, uh, which is an interesting choice. Oh, so uh, are we going to go watch that? You know, more than likely, because I'm not honestly all that excited about the competition. Uh, ben Falcone has a film coming out with with his wife Melissa McCarthy called Super Intelligence. I don't know what that is, but that well, doesn't I, excite I me. I love Melissa McCarthy. I do too. But at any rate, so that's the next one I pick. My next pick, going chronologically, I think is Spider-Man: Far From Home. Really? Yeah, I know nothing about it. 
And I'm okay with no, no, knowing nothing about it. Yeah. It does look like Jake Gyllenhaal did, does star in it, which confirms that he's probably playing Mysterio, which is a Spider-Man villain we've never seen on screen before, but is one of the main Sinister Six, his you know, main core bad guys. So I'm curious. I'm hopeful that that translates well. Michael Keaton apparently is going to be back in it. Oh, and interesting. it looks like some other Avengers-related uh, cast members will be making appearances. So I really think Spider-Man Homecoming is easily among the top three. Uh, literally the top three Spider-Man movie, movies ever made. And so I'm really hopeful and curious to see what they do with Far From Home. And that actually releases on July 5th. So essentially, 4th of July July. weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that'll be exciting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, that's my uh, next next most exciting film. Shanna, what is your next film that you are looking forward to independently? Well, I have been waiting for quite some time for another Quentin Tarantino film. Uh, not everybody was a fan of his last one, The Hateful Eight. I was one of those. Mm-hmm. So now we have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And this is starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, yes. and Dakota Fanning. Ooh. So I'm like, ooh, just those four alone. There's other cool ones like Tim Roth. But just those four alone, I'm like, oh, the what a combo. Let's see what happens here. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a huge Brad Pitt fan, but I'm like, oh, if we put Leo, Brad, Margo, and Dakota together, what is going to happen there? Well, and I, that's not all. You have also uh, Timothy Oliphant. You have Michael Madsen, James Marsden. You have Al Pacino. You have Bruce Dern, Emil Hirsch, Clifton Collins Jr. It's a pretty damn good cast. Which I think is usually the case with Quentin Tarantino. You're right. So this is happening in 1969, Los Angeles, of course. And a a former Western star and his longtime stunt double struggle to find success in Hollywood. uh, That they don't recognize it anymore. So this will be interesting. I, you know, I'm such a fan of Singing in the Rain when... You know, not only everything about it, but I love the concept where they were playing with, okay, uh, cinema is changing from silent to... Sound, yeah, the talkies. Mm -hmm. So I'm very interested to see Quentin Tarantino's take on a concept like this. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I hope there's going to be blood and gore because I feel like he's a really good revenge well, a revenge writer, but I don't know if it's... There's two I things, don't know what the story is. There's no trailer. There's two things worth noting. One, uh, he, it's a very good parallel what you're making because 1969 is around the time of the new Hollywood era where you had all these new, fresh, young voices in film coming about. And so you're definitely changing. There's a shift from the golden age of Hollywood to a more... Um, reality focused and grittier time in in hollywood too uh second margot robbie plays sharon tate and this film takes place around the time of the charles manson murders Ooh. yeah yeah 
So you have some interesting things, ex uh, kind of bigger picture, you know, environmental things happening within the context of this story. Okay, well, you know, Quentin just tells me he has a movie, and I go, you know, so I'm yeah. very much looking forward to this. I don't even, I don't even care. It could be a horror, and I'd, I'd still go watch Quentin stuff. Are you actually, I'm looking through uh, the Wikipedia page, and you got people playing, playing real life people: Roman Polanski, Charles Manson, Bruce Lee, Steve McQueen. Well, it makes sense that it would be Roman Polanski because if you're bringing in right. Manson. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. That is a very exciting pick. I almost made my list as well. But my last independent pick, I was very surprised to see this left off of yours. Oh, yeah. But I understand why. It is Star Wars Episode Nine. We all know automatically that I'm anticipating that. But everybody knows about Star Wars, so I don't have to say I'm looking forward to Star Wars. Sure. No, I think it's really great to leave room to to bring attention to other films. Uh, but I I had to I include am it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I had to include it on my list so that way we can at least address it. The only thing that makes me nervous about this uh, is yes. that J.J. Abrams is directing this one too. Not that I have a problem with J.J. Abrams per se, but you know, this is the chapter closer. Um, we were at a time for a time we were seeing different people directing each installment. It was J.J. Abrams with Force Awakens, and then Ryan Johnson did The Last Jedi, and it was going to be uh, Colin Trevorrow. Colin Trevorrow was going to do this chapter. He was fired uh, after creative differences, and so J.J. Uh, having a really good relationship with Kathleen Kennedy, having been basically the reason why this this whole uh, new trilogy was able to kick off and be so successful, and all the good things he brought and all the feels he brought to the fans of the original trilogy, you know, land, you know, got him back into the director's chair. I just, I just um, hope that. I don't know anything about this chapter, and that's actually one of the great, th great things about The Last Jedi, is it actually left us not knowing what to expect. And I really hope that J.J. really fulfills that potential of being, of being surprised and in and, and, and the unexpected, you know? Um, I, I guess it's kind of silly to be worried about it, because this is a guy who's literally the guy who uh, came up with the mystery box. You know, he's always been a fan of people not knowing what to expect right uh, throughout his career um so but at any rate it is i don't know that there is a film i am looking forward to more than star wars episode nine but since you left it off your list it couldn't be our number one movie that we're looking forward to most <laughs> in the year so there wow. you go. wow okay there we are it's my number three <laughs> when when does it for come the, out i was about to say for okay. those who don't know we have to wait all the way to December 20th. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah. However. It's not quite Christmas Day. It's even more painful knowing that we will see the return of Billy D. Williams in the series as well. So, as Lando Calrissian. That's going to be so much fun. Yeah. So, at any rate, now, Shanna, let's talk about our final two picks, the ones that we're both jointly excited about. First of all, chronologically is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that? 
Well, I'm not the biggest fan of, you know, the big monster movies. I'm not a fan of Godzilla, but I did enjoy the Godzilla film that had, uh, who is it from Breaking Bad? Uh, Brian Cranston. Yes. I was a big fan of that one. And so when I saw that... Millie Bobby Brown. When I saw Millie Bobby Brown is in this one, and, uh, you know, I was just really excited. And, you know, the teaser trailer that was released several months ago, that was amazing. That was, was like, yes, okay, take my money. But now they've released a, a, a newer one, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not going to watch any more trailers. Yes, 100% behind you there, yeah. You know, I don't need a lot of information. Mm-hmm. We all know what happens when you get big monsters fighting other big monsters. We know yeah. the concept. Right. Just give us, you know, awesome stuff. So. I agree. This is not a movie that needs three or four trailers. I was sold with the first trailer. My jaw was permanently stuck to the floor after watching that it especially in the theater i'm so glad i saw it for the first time in the theater and not on a a computer screen yes because the the size and the scope and it's just these these creatures are massive and gorgeous and just stunning and it's just incredible no guarantees that the movie will be a great film as a story or anything it like that. It certainly looks like it's going to be entertaining. It is definitely going to be a huge spectacle and uh, and hopefully great, great fun. To clarify, also, it stars Kyle Chandler, Bradley Whitford, Sally Hawkins comes back, Ken Watanabe comes back. Uh, I love Ken. Vera yes. Farmiga and David Strathairn is in it as well. So, uh, and Charles Dance, for those who are fans of Game of Thrones, will recognize Charles Dance. He's in the film uh, as well. And uh, Zane Z.E. Anyway, very much looking forward to that. And that comes out at the end of May, May 31st. Oh, May is going to be a great month. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. For sure, our number one movie that we are most, most looking forward to together Dark actually Phoenix. was our number one last yeah. year. Yeah! It is Dark Phoenix, uh, the supposedly the chapter closer of this new X Men. Oh, that makes me sad. Is it? Is that right? Is that right? Was it First Class then Apocalypse? No, it was First Class Days of Future Past then Apocalypse. Yeah. So it's not a trilogy. It's just a fourth film. I thought they were releasing another three because now God, they I have they have you know Gene and they have Cyclops and they mm-hmm. have you know whoever they have. I honestly have no idea what Fox's plans are. I hope Jubilee gets more screen time. Is she even in it? I don't know. Oh, God. It's going to make me so sad. Because I did see see Quicksilver. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I I have not seen Jubilee in the trailers, but... Oh, that's um, really sad. I mean, we just watched the trailer. I didn't see her in it. Here's my one thing that concerns me about this movie. Uh, first of all, it already looks like it's going to adapt the the Dark Phoenix saga way better than X-Men 3 did. I mean, that was a pile of shit, and we don't have to talk about that again. But the only thing that kind of annoys me about this new series of films is... They've really kind of changed and repositioned the Mystique character, and it seems like she is such an important character of these stories when... She really doesn't need to be. Like, it doesn't really make sense for her to be. Like, she, you know, she, it seems like she's 
slightly more important than Cyclops, even, in this story. I'm okay you know? with that. Cyclops is a whiny bitch, okay? But, but, I know he's important. Yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't and make sense. his DNA is important, but <laughs> oh my god. I, I hate that whiny little bitch. In like, the comics, right? You yeah, don't think he's whiny yeah. in the movies. In the movie, he seems he seems fine, but right. I, you know we've read so many of the comic books. Yes. That 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 is what he is. Like, okay, that may be, but you cannot deny that he's definitely more significant uh, character to these stories than Mystique is. Yes, Mystique is, but then you have to remember that this is the movie universe, and Mystique yeah, is important in it's the just movie universe. So obvious that it's just because it's Jennifer. For Lawrence, that she's um, been pumped up in this, and it just it doesn't make sense. And if you watch the original series of movies, it doesn't make sense that she'd be so much of an X Man and this this actual hero character. And she never was in the comics either, to the extent that she is in the movies. That's my only concern slash beef against this film. But otherwise, I'm a- I'm actually really looking forward to it. And it looks like it's bringing back Storm, which is exciting and jessica chastain plays a new mysterious character i'm kind of looking forward to and Do curious you know? about the reveal of oh, who that is who well that's is. what i said it's a mysterious character okay i'm, I'm curious who that's going Do to be you have a guess i can't tell just by looking at her it's mm-hmm. not that obvious to me so and she's a great actress and seeing her in a franchise film is is interesting to me too i'm so. really looking forward to so in the trailer you see gene go to magneto and it's just it's really funny to me because everybody goes to magneto when they want truth and it's like (laughs) yeah oh man yeah and then it makes you know makes me think in my adult mind here now i guess professor xavier is is not that great if he's lying to all the people around him or keeping truth from him from them and they have to go to Magneto to find out what's going on. It's like, well, and I love also that, you know, the, there's this automatic uh, receiving of validation. If you were Jewish during the Holocaust. If you were alive during the if Holocaust. If you were alive during the Holocaust and you're, you know, you're still with us and, you know, they, they have Magneto say, I've seen evil, and this is evil. It's like he has validation because yeah. you know he was he he is Jewish, and you know it's just it's really interesting that that is who gets to speak about what is evil or not. And I think it happens in another two films somewhere. I just cannot recall what it is right now, but I I like that concept. Horrible that it happened, but the concept is really interesting. You know, you raise a point. Like this movie apparently takes place in 1992. And we know from X-Men First Class that Magneto was a, a, a teenager, essentially, during the Holocaust. I think he was, I think he was a little younger than a teenager. Okay. If anything, okay. he was pretty. My, either way, mm-hmm. either way, do the math here. How old would he be? He's meant to be that silver-ass fucking fox. And how, does, yeah. how old does he look in this movie? Not. Right? He looks so. like he's in his 40s. And well, maybe this is what Magneto would really look like if he didn't have, like, the long hair. You know, not the long, long hair. But... You mean if he wasn't realistically old, as oh he should gosh, be? so sexy. Anyway. Anyway. I, fingers crossed for, for that film, and, and uh, yeah, that's all I'll, I'll have to say about it. But what movies are you looking forward to most? 
in 2019, definitely email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. Shannon, before we continue, were there any other movies of note, either ones that made you kind of groan or ones that you're you're also looking forward to that you just want to give a quick shout out to in any way? You know, there is a Pokemon movie coming, and it's Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Mm -hmm. And I thought, to, I saw the movie, you and I both saw the movie poster before we saw a trailer. I don't and, remember that. Oh, okay, well, I do, because I remember everything. And it was <laughs> very funny, because we were both like, oh my god. Now, I was, like, I don't know, 11 when Pokemon came to South Africa, and so yeah. I have lived through all the little renewals, the re, you uh. know... Whereas so, I'm too hate, old, so I ignore I it hate all. Pokemon so much. Okay. But when I saw this trailer, I was like, holy cow, this looks freaking good. So I am I am actually very curious about that. You know, there's other ones that I'm obviously excited about, like Captain Marvel, Train Your Dragon 3, What Men Want looks very funny. And I'm I am ex I will say this, I'm not afraid. Like I am excited about Toy Story Four. I don't really? know. Really? I don't know what's gonna happen, but guess what? I will always go and watch those toys on the screen. Whether it's on my little D V D forty five minute video or yeah. if Pixar wants to give me two hours of Toy Story, I'll go and do it. I don't care. Okay. And if it disappoints then I can talk about it, you know, so Sure. I'm I'm also looking forward to The Lion King. Really? But I'm scared that I have to live through Mufasa's death again. If you don't know about Mufasa's what, death, then I don't know what's wrong with you. Why that's what you're afraid of, Master? I am. It's very traumatic, damn it. Uh, okay, all right, so, all right, all right. yeah. Other things, like, I don't know. There's probably stuff that I was like, ew, why are they doing that? Uh -huh. I did notice that apparently we have a hard time creating new horror. Uh. Except for us, which is obviously going to be freaking amazing. Right. And everything else, apparently people don't want to take a chance with a new concept of, you know, the horror genre. You touched on the two, two of the movies I, I'm kind of like the most uninterested in and kind of groan-worthy. Toy Story 4 is definitely one of those because Toy Story 3 was perfect. And I'm, I'm really tired of things being, being really successful and then they're milked until, you know the callous puff and dust, you know? I just um, I just really hope that Pixar is not wearing this thing into the ground. Lion King remake, how many, how many remakes of the Disney classic animated films have we actually loved or thought was excellent, you know? Pretty sure they're gonna remake all the things. It's, it's... It would be awesome if they remade Pocahontas in a more oh. truthful way. That's oh not come on! That's like, come not on! Happening. It's pretty. It's a pretty cool idea, though. No, but that that's... they would fix things. Uh, okay, but that's not going to happen. They're, they're, mm. You know, I, I just Jungle Book's the only one that we've actually even liked. I think we hated Beauty and the Beast. And I just, I just, these are so unnecessary. And it's such an awful trend. So I feel the opposite of you with with even The Lion King, which is probably the best film of the '90s that Disney created. There's a lot of lot of films like Aladdin is another film that Disney has coming out. I'm not looking forward to that. I'm like Guy Ritchie of all people directing Aladdin, and ah, oh, dude, Disney? must we? And Will Smith is the genie, and I don't know. I'm just. Not at all into that either. 
there's so many like sequels and things that um, I'm just roll my eyes at. You have like oh yeah, Son of Shaft, which continues the uh, Shaft series as though we really needed that. You have Secret Life of Pets too. You have a remake of Grudge, a remake of Child's Play. You're right about the the horror films. Um, yeah, it's like it's like the industry isn't trusting original content. Well, it, to be fair, it hasn't in a long time. But in horror, in particular, in 2019, it absolutely is. Now, the one exception I think, it, and you're not going to be a fan of this because you don't like horror. Oh, uh, okay, no, but I don't want to talk about it. The second half of it. I don't it, want to talk about it. Uh, just want to say, <laughs> just really briefly, the second half of it is probably the one highlight in the horror genre coming up um mm. but yeah yeah there's just some and then there's some oddball things like walking phoenix playing the joker in a, a film that's not at all related to suicide squad it's like what the hell is going on there but i'll tell you one other thing that i am looking forward to is mariel heller's film about fred rogers starring tom hanks i'm very curious about that that seems like it's positioned to be an award season film it comes out in october uh, so, that, you know, give a shout out to that. We'll see what 2019 shapes up to be. It could be a series of disappointments. It could be a mixed bag. And, or we could be pleasantly surprised. So we'll go from there and, and, and see what happens. That'll about do it for this episode of The Movie Lovers. Jenna, why don't you talk about where people can find you on the internet before we talk about our next episode. You can find me at shannapaxton.com. S-H-A-N-N-A-P-A-X-T-O-N. Very cool. Uh, of course, I'm going to run down the links. Go to thegibsonreview.com for all the major articles, all the links to episodes. You can stream these episodes through the blog, actually, if you want. You can also go to the Gibson Review on Facebook to find third-party links, some mini-reviews, of course, links to episodes and several other things. You can also go to the Gibson 99 at uh, Flickchart to see my list of 3,200 films that I have seen. But uh, next time on The Movie Lovers, on episode 48, first and foremost, we'll be getting back to our first main review since the beginning of December. Creed 2 was the last film that we uh, had a main review of. And our upcoming review will be of Glass. So that hopefully will be very exciting and fun. Uh, for film faves, we're going to get back to film faves. And here's what we're going to do. 2019 is the last year of the decade. So for the Gibson Review blog, I'm going to be releasing uh, probably monthly a series of articles that count down the best of the decade. I'm going to go genre by genre and and so on and so forth and so uh, for the movie lovers what we're going to do is once a month i think we're going to have a film faves that's about our favorite of uh, of the decade so we're going to start since the next episode is going to be a february episode we're going to start with our favorite love stories of the decade so that should be very interesting 
And of course, you can always write in ahead of time your picks. And if there's anything that we need to make sure we take into consideration for our favorites uh, or check out before we record uh, for that episode. But you can look for that episode on February 5th. So that's going to be very exciting, a lot of fun. Uh, until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying bye-bye.